I'm a college junior currently living in an on-campus sorority dorm. Two of my sweetmates and I share what I'm convinced is an unhealthy obsession with the paranormal. We swap spooky stories into the wee hours just about every night, often using a cheesy ghost app to quote-unquote contact the spirits of students said to have died here. We have a running joke between us about the chapter room being haunted by our sorority's founder, Eugenia. Can't find your toothpaste? Eugenia took it. Unexplained noise? Eugenia. Strange shadow in your room at 3 a.m.? Just Eugenia popping in to say hey. We're the first to admit it's all in fun. The sorority is spread out across several colleges and wasn't even founded here, so there's no reason for Eugenia to be tied to the place even if she were real. Our dorm is laid out in such a way that each floor belongs to a different sorority, outfitted with two pods containing a common area and three clusters. The pods are at opposite wings of each floor. The chapter room connects them in the center. Every resident is given a key card coded to her pod and her pod only. That said, cheating the system is simple. Whenever we want to see our friends in the opposite pod, we just cut through the chapter room and wait for someone on the other side to let us in. My sweetmates hate doing that. Eugenia's in there, they say, with a bit less humor than when her name is brought up elsewhere. The chapter room is equipped with motion sensor lights calibrated to detect the slightest movement, even from as far away as the kitchen. Often, when I'm cooking, the lights will cut on when I know for a fact the chapter room is deserted. The sensors are just that sensitive. Creepy, sure, and fun, but totally explainable. I didn't believe in Eugenia. People have claimed to hear her roaming the chapter room for years. Now, as I said, I live for the paranormal, and I'd love nothing more than for our resident ghost to be real, but as yet, she'd only ever been a second-hand story. That is, until the night we had our friend Olivia over from the opposite pod. We'd been playing tabletop games. Before long, she worked up an appetite and decided to steal back to her room for some snacks. Be back in a minute, Olivia said. We watched her leave through the chapter room. My sweetmate Rachel and I couldn't resist trying to scare her when she came back. We waited quietly near the connecting door, ready to pounce the second Olivia walked through. To our surprise, as though she'd read our minds, instead of using her keycard, Olivia softly knocked to get back in. We heard it clear as day. The connecting doors are all fitted with knockers that make a very distinct sound. Rachel and I looked at each other. Cunning little minx. A moment later, the door opened, just a crack and immediately shut. Figuring Olivia was just trying to get the drop on our little prank, we quietly opened the door and peeked into the chapter room. Nothing. Olivia was nowhere in sight. And those ridiculously sensitive motion sensor lights? They hadn't been triggered. The room was dark. In shock, I Snapchatted Olivia to ask where she was. She replied back instantly with a selfie taken in her dorm room. I'm still trying to decide on snacks, she said. Clearly, it hadn't been her who messed with the door. But whoever it was had to have sprung out of sight without triggering the motion sensors in the seconds it took Rachel and I to look in. We couldn't come up with an explanation. Not a rational one. I've since come to believe we aren't as alone in this old dorm as I thought.
Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this... is Google Intentions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, We're I will say, I've, I have like this sense of relief. I have been crying all week just <laughs> just because I feel like I'm okay to. Like for the it's safe. It's, it's safe now. It's safe I, to let the demons I, out. I feel like <laughs> I not. I won't say that I feel like I have just gotten out from underneath a pile of burning rubble, but the rubble has at least stopped burning, and I can see the yeah. sun. Yeah. <laughs> I can laugh again. Truly laugh. I can laugh, and it and it's. I watched a, some movie. I can't remember. It was a comedy, like action comedy, and I was dying laughing. And Jack was like, are you okay? I was like, I think I just really need to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Same. And then like, but it's like so emotional. When uh, uh, Kamala gave her speech. Oh God, it was um, so great. I uh, was, so... I was crying. I wasn't crying, like as a woman to see, oh, it was so fucking good. Um, and you know, being able <laughs> to tell the girls that this is a, a woman who is mm -hmm. in the executive branch, that is mixed race. Just mm -hmm. like them, it yes. was just so cool. How great is to, that? Oh, it's so good. It, I, and God, then, it's just and I've been kind of like crying, but not full on weeping until yesterday. Oh, really? And I'd been avoiding watching this particular video, but there is a video of this prima ballerina <gasps> who has Alzheimer's. Oh and yeah, I think she's nonverbal. Oh, I've seen. And oh, they play. God, yeah. uh, Tchaikovsky or something like that. Yeah, it's and Swan Lake. And she immediately has the the memory of the um, the choreography that she did when she was a ballerina, and she's uh. in a wheelchair, but her arms start doing it, and the people who show the video pair it uh. kind of with, with the the dance and the way it would go, and it was so beautiful and heartbreaking. I ugly cried like Julia Roberts style. Uh. <laughs> it was. It was pretty intense. Oh, it's so am, good, though. Is, like, I'm looking this up right now because I want to tell you what it is. There is, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a 2014 documentary called Alive Inside, a story of music, <clears throat> uh, music and memory. And it's yes. all, um, it's that. It's it's a bunch of, um, you know, it's an exploration of several patients with advanced either dementia or Alzheimer's or, mm -hmm. or some, you know, memory-destroying memory disease and uh, and the, the role that music can play. Like, and there's one mm -hmm. where, like, this little old man, he's so adorable. He's just sitting there and he's just, you know, mostly gone. There's not much there. He's He's got his reflexes and, and he talks very little to, to the nurses and his daughter who's with him. But there's just no there, there, you know, mm -hmm, and then and right. then they start playing music and he just is like singing along to it and his eye, I mean, he just lights up and afterwards they're asking him questions about it and he's so talkative. It's like it just, yeah. it's like they just flipped a switch in him and it's, it's amazing. Music. Yeah. Well, and apparently um, where your brain stores language is different mm -hmm. than where it stores music. It's true. So there's a way to tap into that part of your memory with music. And it was just so cool. And I, yeah. I mean, I don't know how anybody can watch it and not weep uncontrollably. And I, well, same. And that's so anyone that, that wants to watch that documentary, uh, again, it's called Alive Inside. Really, it's so. Yeah. So beautiful good. and meaningful and on on you know on a metaphorical level very relatable right now because i feel like oh I've, i feel like music has brought me to life for the first time i think <laughs> i realize i've just been sitting in this state of perpetual numbness for you know the past four years 
And mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, God. And I, you know, oh, I don't want to get political because it's, you know, but it, it's nice that <laughs> it's just nice that all this shit's finally beginning to be over because it's been yeah. too much for me. I just can't. And for a lot of people, it's like, no, we we need normalcy. We need stability. We need we need something that isn't just fucking theater. Um, yeah. constantly because yeah. it's I mean nah nah you know I just can't because the, the whole the past four years has been like being in an episode of Hannibal like <laughs> it's just like really how like god damn it <laughs> anyway um so uh before we continue I should say that uh um 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 I want to give a shout out to our special guest for reading the uh, cold open this mm -hmm. week. It was me. So good. It was you. <laughs> yeah. Brilliantly done. Uh, but that, the uh, cold open comes from Reddit user Taylor Meredith, um, which I i don't know if that's their real name or not, but that's their username. So thank you. It could be both. It could be that. It could be the. Uh, it could also be like a Meredith Taylor. I know. It could be. It could be. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for that story. It was really fun and, and like believable because it's a haunting story but it's not terribly dramatic but it's like oh oh that's oh it's all the yeah sometimes when you learn yeah. that there's some truth to the urban legends in your school that's which right. we're going to we be exploring it. today what's our title today jamie you have all that <laughs> is that our title you have all that and where's that come you from you have all that that is a quote that from jamie when face. i asked her <laughs> What the title was? <laughs> We're getting meta. meta. Right. Um, I, um, I, it's I sent it to you, and then I didn't do anything else with it. <laughs> our, our title, according to my notes uh, that mm -hmm. you sent me, is our title today is A Bubble of Time, which comes yes. uh, from You Had Me at Hello by Mahari McFarlane. And the full quote is, universities like this little world, a bubble of time separate from everything before and everything after. Oh, so true. So true, yeah. So the thing about uh, November, and we did this last year, so we want to do it again, is universities. We're doing universities, universities. for this month. Now, Higher learning. little announcement mm. about the rest of the year and uh, and the podcast. So yes, yes, everything's yes, yes. fine. Everything's fine. Everything's, uh, everything's fine, everything's especially, fine. especially We're now. just tired and also very busy. So what we're going to do for the rest of the year is uh, we're going to scale back mm -hmm. our production a little bit. Just a titch. To, to give us some room. So some yeah. room to, number one, uh, breathe, but also <laughs> yeah. uh, be able to dive a little deeper than, than we've had the time to dive. Exactly. So what we're going to do is we will release a full episode every other week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, every two weeks, we'll get a new, yeah. new full episode. Yeah. But we will still be doing Ghosticles every single week. Every single so we're week. We're still going to be doing that. And you'll uh, still get your weekly dose. And the larger uh, episodes just... will be deeper dives. Um, yeah. You know, like we used to have time to do that we haven't really had the time to do in the past, you know, a few months just because of everything going yeah. on in the world and, and our lives. Uh, and uh, hopefully longer episodes. So it's, it's yeah, it'll, it'll come out in the wash to being about the same amount of content, just more bang for the buck as it were. Yes. So thank yes. you for the patience. Um and yeah. and after the first of the year we're going to we're going to get back into the groove and and do it do it weekly as we did. We just realized we just 
We need a little break. It's been two years. Like you watching that comedy last night yeah. <laughs> and laugh, laugh crying. It's like I realized like, oh, God, I've relaxed for the first time in my life. Only, or not for the first time in four years to realize just how yeah. tired I am. Yeah, um, right. Well, and I mean, so, in a new city. Yeah, there's adjusting to do and there's and, stuff. And, and, and I just want to I'd, – I'd rather do – two really good episodes a month and four mm-hmm. mediocre ones. So That's right. I agree. And that's felt like, you know, we were we were going to be headed in that direction just because of our schedules. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh yeah. So, yeah. thank you. Thank just you prioritizing everyone. Just energy. Exactly. Thank mental, you in advance. <laughs> mental space, bandwidth, all that kind of stuff. Oh god, right. Uh, bandwidth. That's been the watchword of the week. <laughs> right? Um, but we will still definitely uh you get us at least once once a week with the ghosticles. Exactly. So uh, keep sending us your mm. stories, your Please spooky stories. Please do. Um, and in particular, if you have stories from your university, Please send them to us. We would love to read them. Oh, God, yes. And every, I feel like every college student has a story. Every yeah. college student has a story. I was yeah. only, I myself only went to, <laughs> went to college for a very short time. My my college career was, shall we say, abortive. Um, <laughs> it was short, but It was but short helpful. and intense, and but life-changing. And I still had a ghost story. <laughs> Yeah. What's your college ghost story? Uh um oh god, I knew you were going to ask that and <laughs> Um so the the pedagogy school I went to um had a series of recording rooms. Uh, not dissimilar to oh. where I'd be spending most of my time as an adult because of what we do, but uh, mm-hmm. just larger because they had to contain instruments. Like one, you know, would have like a drum set, and the other would have like the big Fazioli grand piano uh, that I used, and so on and so forth. And uh, one night, I was always told that some uh, some bitch haunted it. I don't know who. I, it was always one of those. It was like being in Scouts or something, where they're like, "It's said that this lady in white roams the halls," and it's like that's not even a. That's just a. That's just you're you're making me fill in all the blanks. So there yeah. was no but real. Back then you couldn't like Google it. Exactly, and yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, one night I was there and I I could have sworn I heard someone playing in uh, one of the booths that was then empty. I had to go and ask them like they told it was the drummer, uh, playing the shit out of them drums down the hall, <laughs> and I was like, hey, and there was no one in there, so I don't know what the fuck I was hearing, and I thought, well, maybe I must be hearing like someone playing back a recording or something, but it sure is. It sure doesn't sound like a recording. It sure sounds like actual drums being played because actual drums are very loud, even when yeah. even when there's uh, you know a wall of double paned uh, uh, gas injected glass between you and the drums. So that's what I heard, and apparently I wasn't the only one that heard that. It was like, oh yeah, there's the ghost that likes to play and stuff. But other people would like. Like, uh, you know, someone would say, like, I, they'd hear the piano playing. Like, whoever, whatever this ghost, whoever this ghost was, they were, um, uh, they had, they played multiple instruments. <laughs> yeah. And but, those yeah. practice, those practice rooms, were they, they were separate from the building, right? They were kind of their mm-hmm. own building? Yeah, they yeah, were, because... they were in the same space as the, uh, uh, the auditorium where they did uh, um, audits, the, uh, the uh, auditions and and the listening class is separate from the main building, but it was its own little building. It wasn't just recording studios; it was a recording studio and one of the smaller auditor- auditoriums that I can't remember the name of right now, which is where you would do your audits. Yeah. Audits are, for those of you who don't know, in conservatory, it's like when you have to play in front of the class, and the class mm-hmm. then 
uh, breaks down what you've done because in pedagogy class, I it's, feel like yeah, it's that was a separate building from the practice rooms for like musical theater. I know musicians pl- practiced yeah. in there too because there were pianos in every room. But like, if you took private voice classes, you went to these different. I think they mm-hmm. were different mm-hmm. practice rooms. Uh, uh, I, but those were haunted too. I believe in the second. Well, I think the second floor of our building had the 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 vocal booths. I think. I think. Yeah. It's also hazy. It's like it's like 30 years ago. I know. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. But those were rumored. I mean, every <clears throat> every building at the University of Oklahoma is haunted for some reason oh, or yeah. another. Well, I know the theater was. Definitely the theater. Yeah, yeah the theaters. <laughs> theaters. <laughs> All the theaters. Oh, um, so, okay. So, I guess let me start because uh, I was talking. We had... A really great time over Halloween, chatting with people. We had a really fun panel. And then we yeah. also had this thing where you could talk one-on-one with us, and or individually, or both of us. And yeah. that was really fucking fun. It was. <laughs> and it was super so, fun. Yeah. And so I was chatting with Mac, who's one of our listeners, mm-hmm. and um, he was like, I got a ghost story for you. And this is one of my favorite things about this podcast, is, you know, we do, you know, conventions, pop culture conventions, and people will come up and want to talk to us about video games, talk to us about anime, blah, blah, blah. But when somebody comes up and they listen, <laughs> and they talk about ghosts immediately, we're like, if they're listeners, we are all we're attention. like, t- everybody can wait behind you. I need to hear your ghost story right now. And I'm sure there's people out there that have had that experience. Sometimes if Michael and I are close together, I'll pull him in and be like, listen, I got a ghost story. Let's listen. So, uh, uh, you guys yeah, so whoever favorites. it is ends up getting pulled into like they, they get like an audience. Like, you know, they're like suddenly everyone in line is that's close by is like leaning in and hearing their story. And we're like, sorry yeah. to put you on the spot, but pray continue. But go ahead, go ahead. So um so anyway, uh, I was chatting with Mac and Mac had the story about his university. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting into universities next next month. And so uh, send me your story because I'd love to read it and maybe see about the school. So what we've done today is instead of because we're doing small, you know, um, uh, only two episodes this month, (laughs) we went ahead and did multiple universities. So we're each doing three. It's buffet Uh, style. We started. Huh? It's buffet style. It's a buffet style, but we still did a decent dive into it. I mean, it's a, um, it's a damn good buffet. It is an all-you-can-eat. Yeah, you can it eat. is a good buffet. It is a good buffet. Uh, but we have we started with five each, and then we were <laughs> yesterday. Were it was like, like I think I I think like, five's too many. I'm up to like an hour's <laughs> worth of material already, just alone, and that doesn't include yeah. the cold open. So maybe we'll just do the rest next time. Next time. Um, so we have we have a head start <laughs> on next time because we're gonna do multiple. Uh, uh, colleges next time too. These are specifically um, American yes. uh, universities yes. and colleges, um, but we will we will build on that um, next next time on the yes, next episode. Yes, yes. So here is Max. Max sent his story in. I'm so appreciative. Thank you, Max, for for going along with it. Uh, and this is his story. And then I'll get into some of the research on the um, on the stuff. Okay, so. Real quick aside, I'm reading this from my phone. Normally I have my Kindle that I read from, but I I don't know where that thing is. So I'm reading it from my phone, but I have these really cute new glasses. They're so cute. They're so adorable. I am at an age that I need glasses for the first time ever in my life. I've always been able to see. And now it's just, you know, nearsightedness. It happens. It happens to all of us. 
Uh, but luckily, <laughs> I have a really good face for glasses, so I've, really I've been do. kind of waiting for this moment. If and I've I, had readers. If I may say so, you look like, yeah. you look like, how do I say this tastefully? <laughs> I, how do I compliment <laughs> you tastefully? You look like a sexy Mrs. Peacock. That's what I want to hear. That okay, is good. what I want to hear. I was gonna, you look like Mrs. Peacock in a boudoir shoot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, from me, a gay man, is high praise. And I know this, and I appreciate it. They're kind of little, <laughs> they're kind of cat eyes in yeah. like a nice complimentary tone to my skin. Yeah. Um, and they're bifocals, but you can't see it. They're invisible. And I don't know what that name is. It's a specific name. <laughs> but <laughs> if I look straight at you, it's like a plus one, right? It's a very minor thing. <laughs> so it's good if I'm looking at my computer and then, like, looking down at my phone at the same time so mm -hmm. I can, mm -hmm. you know, combine it. But if I don't need them for, like, TV or just, like, functioning, <laughs> general functioning. But I have them on right now, and I have to look down the bottom of them to see the phone. But there is one very specific part that it gets blurry on the edges. So I'm working it out. I'm going <laughs> to just bear with me if I start saying everything's blurry. It's because Or you I've read like the far. same line twice. You're like, oh, sorry, that's, yeah. that line uh, crossed the, the bifocal line. <laughs> yeah, and now my eyes are crossed permanently. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch <laughs> you do this. Happen. It really is. Yeah, okay, so we'll see. I keep backing up and coming close so you can hear it on the microphone. So, sorry, Matt. Uh, 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 so, real quick before I get into a story, let me just say that the research I got was from the McConnell Library Archives and Online School Center. Um, so, Max sent, The ghost of Radford University. Margaret is the name given to the ghost by residents... Uh, the residences of Tyler Hall. Her story goes that back when Radford was an all-girls school, she and a new professor began having a romantic relationship. From that affair, Margaret became pregnant with the professor's child. As rumors spread of the taboo relationship, the young professor left Radford University for good, leaving Margaret in the process. Margaret fell into a deep depression as her once lover abandoned her, eventually hanging herself in the elevator shaft of Tyler Hall. Oof. To this day, she is said to walk the halls. I'm a resident of Tyler Hall, and I can assure you this is true as my friends and I have had closet doors open randomly on us while in our rooms and objects move from one spot to another. A second ghost that I have personally seen is the ghost at Washington Hall. The story goes that there was a garden where Washington Hall used to be located, and a couple would always visit this garden. The girl was a young Radford student and the boy a Virginia Tech football player. On the night of the homecoming game, the couple had plans to meet at the garden as they usually did. However, the boy tragically died in an accident before they could meet. They say you can see his ghost walking the halls looking for his girlfriend where the garden once was. I've seen this ghost with my own eyes. I was walking past with some friends and I stopped because I saw someone in the window. I kept walking as I didn't think anything of it, but when my friends stopped and asked if I saw something, I said yes. When we looked back, there was no one there. The third story is of a girl named Elizabeth who was bullied by a group of girls. These girls sent letters to Elizabeth pretending to be a secret admirer. Within the letters, they convinced her to go to a Halloween party to meet this admirer, but of course, he never showed. When she got back to her room, she found a letter saying to meet her in the tunnels below her dorm that ran under Radford University. 
As requested, Elizabeth started to head down into the tunnels, but the door to the stairs slammed behind her as soon as she walked through. She banged on the doors, but all she could hear was laughter. Uh, she turned around and ran down the steps, calling out to her admirer, but in the darkness, she lost her footing and fell to her death. They say she still haunts the tunnels and the dorm where she once lived, and you can hear a girl under the dorm walking up and down a set of stairs. The final story is the curse of Muse Hall. It's a curse, Michael. I'm I love, sure you'll like this one. I love it. I love. I mean, it's said I love curses. That bad I don't love curses, but I love to curses. People on the thirteenth floor of a thirteen-story building, especially if it's near a river that runs backwards. Unfortunately, Muse is that place. Muse is a thirteen-floor, thirteen-story high-rise dormitory next to the New River, which runs backwards from south to north. So. If you're going to be put on Muse, just hope it's not on the 13th floor. So thank you, Mac. Great story. Nice. Lots of ghosties. Uh, so let's dig into it a little. First of all, let's talk about Elizabeth So uh, and falling down the stairs and the haunting of the tunnels. So basically, they were mean, it was a mean girl story. They were mean to her. They tricked her to go in, shut the door. She got scared and died. Yes. Um... Uh, there's also sto- stories of students getting lost in the tunnels, some of them dying while they were looking for mm. Elizabeth and they disappear. Mm. Uh, now, I'm going to say this now. I do not think that this university is not, like, I'm not going to say it's not haunted. I think it most likely is haunted. But the what and why are up in the air. And so here's why. <laughs> um, it seems the story of Elizabeth is probably just a story. Um, on a side note, Michael got warm, and he's slowly taking off his sweater to reveal his I'm School Intentions to, T-shirt underneath. I'm try, yeah, I'm trying to, like, let me just do this real quick. Go Hold ahead, on. do I'm it. It do was this. really funny. I'm sorry, everyone, and but I got a little distracted. The, the weather here in L.A. Like, is just crazy. It can't make up its what? mind whether it's 40 or 60. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was like, why is Michael stripping? I don't, and then it's like, ghoul intentions. I was like, ooh, this is like a moment right now. Uh, we should be filming this. It's a great promo. I know, it was great. Um. So, okay, sorry. Uh, uh, uh. So with sorry, the story Matt. of Elizabeth. Well, let's get back, okay. Um, from what I can tell, the story of, uh, of Elizabeth goes back to the Tartan from November 1984 by Richie Ellis. Hmm. There is nothing I can find before that. Now, if a student dies on campus, it usually is pretty easy to find that information. Yeah. So, you would um, think. there's no, there aren't, I couldn't find any stories. Huh. And there's not really, the name doesn't work. And, um, and then the story itself is not told historically, it's told from Elizabeth's point of view. Not first person, but it is. Uh, For example, there's a a little passage that says, The night finally arrived. It was bitter cold outside and the wind was gusting. Elizabeth crossed the grounds from her dorm room to the ball with her princess gown blowing in the wind and her now silky black hair pulled back behind her glowing face. She was beautiful. When she arrived, the crowd became silent. A look of astonishment was on everyone's face. Elizabeth, however, didn't even notice the reaction of the people. Her eyes were searching for her prince. Right, it's a very... It's very, yeah, little uh, little Hans Christian Andersen for my tastes. 
Yes, yes. And it's written in a paper that's like, oh, did you know there's a legend? It says at the beginning, legend has it. Legend has it, and yeah. And so it yeah. seems like a story that was written specifically for to kind of give something, a, a creepy story for Halloween. I think it was mm. November 1st. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Came out November 1st. So it kind of <laughs> meets all the criteria of writing a scary story just to write uh, a scary story. Um, Which is fine, so long fine. as That's we totally so long fine. as we compartmentalize and don't mistake it for you know history. Yeah, and I think what happened is because when you look online and you you research it, it always goes back to this one article, <clears throat> and so there's not a full name at the end of it. It said, "Be careful." You know, I'm not going to say what her boyfriend's name is, or the the boy that she had a crush on. I'm not going to say what his name is because rumor has it if you share that name, she'll come try to find you, right? And it's like, <laughs> okay. sounds like fake news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, it's a fun story. It is a good story, but I highly doubt that it is factual at all. That doesn't mean there's well, not somebody well, haunting there, but I don't think it's anyone named Elizabeth. It's, it's um, so often with, with stories like this, you know, you have a haunting, and the nature of a haunting is that it's rarely that specific. I mean, the nature of a haunting is that it's mysterious. It's frightening <laughs> largely because it's enigmatic. And so our first impulse, usually, if we experience something out of the norm, is to try to give it a story because that helps us process it. And, mm -hmm. you know, but there's always, but it's always a creative act. You know, it's not, it's, it's you know, whether... <laughs> If we happen to be right about, you know, the, the origins or the source of a haunting, it's usually just out of dumb luck. So right. it's not and this thing I, I think I've I've harped on time and again, like usually the hauntings are real. Um, that is to say the experiences people report having had have happened and we don't have right. an explanation for them. But usually the sort of legend that grows up around them because it makes it a more interesting story, certainly if you're a writer with a deadline, um, yeah. you know, it's much easier to fill out uh, <laughs> those margins with uh, the girl walked down the hallway rather than it said this hallway is haunted by the ghost of this girl who died. Like it's that's there's no story right. there and we need a story yeah. in order for it to draw our attention. But often the times oftentimes the story will obscure the truth and make it harder to find out what really is behind the hallway. Hauntings. Some of the hauntings. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we don't, we don't know who most of our haunts are. No. Which is why when we do kind of have a pretty good idea, like a legitimate historical idea, and we will run, hit some of those today, uh, mm -hmm. it is, it's a little more fascinating. Now, that doesn't mean other people's experiences aren't true. I mean, there's lots of reasons for colleges to be haunted. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's so a high-stress yeah. community <laughs> yeah, of people yeah. at that age in life where, where statistically speaking, if the literature is to be believed, they're more than likely to draw weird anomalous events to them by dent of their state of mind and their yeah, it's their stressful. developmental it's stressful age. It's stressful as hell. It's, it's yeah. super stressful. So it is. Yeah. Um. So okay. So then let's talk about Margaret. The, and and that is that name came from that. It's a friendly name that the. It seems that the um, the hall has has Tyler Hall has given her, mm -hmm. uh, but there are no historical stories that link a death with that girl hanged, suicide, otherwise. Um, one part of the story is that the rope that when they did this um, renovation and the rope that she hanged herself from the elevator shaft was still there. Mm. Now, let's just talk logistics. If you are going to hang yourself, are you going to do it? 
in an elevator shaft? How do you get in there? Where do you crawl up? How do you tie the rope? What if someone's using the elevator? You know, yeah, there <laughs> it seem seems to be, like a really... There seem to be a lot of... If you're going to hang yourself, not that you should, but if you're going to, there no. seem to be a lot more convenient choices available than an elevator shaft. Yes. Also, late trigger warning. <laughs> There's oh, yes. a little bit of everything in this episode, so just be prepared. I mean, these are ghost stories in their college, yeah. so you you knew what this was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's that. Like, just logistically, it seems like an odd choice. Um, and so there was, but I think it came from people saw a rope being removed from the elevator shaft when it was under renovation. Mm. And they were like, that's the rope that a girl hanged herself on. But they probably said hung because they didn't know yet that that's wrong. Uh, and yeah, because so... they, they hadn't completed English uh, 101. Right, right. I, exactly. You know, it's funny, and it's quite, quite possible that someone met a far more grisly end, say, in an elevator shaft. That's happened. But, yeah. but you know, sometimes... At the Adolphus, it's happened all it's fucking happened at lot. It's happened on a cruise. <laughs> we know at least of one occasion that's happened on a cruise ship because there is a video of the aftermath, mm-hmm. which is uh, horrible. But I mean, that kind of thing happens all the time, but maybe sometimes, you know, through retellings, the story begins to kind of shaped shift into the needs of the tellers. And so like, rather than it being accident, it's it's suicide because suicide is on the brains of students at a college. There, it just right. is for many reasons. Um, and hopefully not, not with the intent of doing it, but still it's there, it's a reality of college life. And so it's, the story begins to warp itself around the needs of the listener and, instead of, so it could be that someone actually did die in that elevator shaft, but not by hanging themselves and not by suicide, right. but it becomes suicide because that's the story we wanna hear. Um, yeah. in that college, which is so fascinating. Well, because then it lends itself to to a haunting, right? Mm-hmm. Usually unexpected deaths or when people take their own lives, that is what is known to cause haunts. And yep. so I think people want to say, okay, well, why would this young person, you know, be haunting and why did they die? And so, okay, yeah. well, it's clearly got to be this. Um, what happened, though, when they took that rope out, it was actually a system of pulleys. Mm. And so the rope was attached to a pulley system. Mm. Um, and so they think that's where this rumor came from. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, up until the early 80s, too, the attic of Tyler Hall was used as an actual haunted house. Like, for all the students, they would uh, put on a like haunted a house. seasonal haunted house, So yeah. that also adds to, mm. you know the spooky factor, oh, it really is a haunted, you know, the space really truly is. Or, or maybe there was a story this of this girl um, in the haunted house and it just kind of stuck in yeah. the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hmm. it seems at least some of the legends may not be the truth, uh, but that's a, and again, no way does this mean the university isn't haunted. There are countless stories and experiences by students One girl was in her dorm when she felt a wrapping on her head, and when she looked around to see if her roommate did it, there was no one there. The roommate was actually in the shower at the time and felt someone wrap her on the top of her head as well. Oh. Yeah. It's rude. It's Uh, like the ghost is being like, hello, McFly. (laughs) I know, (laughs) right? Rude. Rude. Uh, Students and teachers have had experiences in the buildings and the dorms. There are lots of stories from the houses surrounding campus as well. So... There's a lot. In fact, if you go online to the Radford Digital Archives, mm-hmm. you'll find a paper written by Deanna Vestal titled First Hand Ghost Stories that explores some of the stories told in this Appalachian University. Mm. I think 
The personal stories are what make this school convincingly haunted. The legends made up to go along with the experiences are fun, but it makes you wonder what really happened. We always want the whole story, but right. life isn't always fair. The school was built <laughs> right. on farmland. Um, is it the original owners of the property, maybe? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the like their house was where the library stands now. So is that is that what it is? Mm. Um, other students, did they become attached to the school? Uh, we really may never know who haunts Radford, but I think t- it's safe to say that that bitch is haunted. I mean, you, c- you, can't, you can't go by the legends. You have to go by the first-hand accounts of weird shit. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's, that's... And there's a lot of it. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Max accounts as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who knows what it is, but obviously something is happening when you're having stuff move around and all of that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so yeah. creepy. And that's Radford um, University in Virginia. That's the moral of the story there, folks. And if Just yeah. because someone didn't hang themselves in the elevator shaft doesn't mean it's not haunted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh. That's right. Oh, that's good. But that's also, good. The, I've heard, I never really, because I've heard hanging in an elevator shaft before. Yeah. But then I started thinking about it. And I was like, how would you even, this is not a challenge. Yeah, but please, it does, it, please don't it's demonstrate like, to us. That's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> like to get, what, never I, be yeah. found? Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> how would they? I don't, yeah, that seems weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously like places like stairwells and whatnot are obvious sites for hangings because they're, they, they're, there's more height to them um, structurally. Right. They have but to you be. gotta so, have some sort of beam or something. But you gotta, you gotta have something and it has to be accessible. Or, yeah. yeah, so, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I'm, now I'm curious to see if anyone's actually ever hung themselves in an elevator shaft. Like, ever what? Ever actually hanged themselves. In an <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Fuck why you. it gets me. It just does. Am I perfect? I say tour words. Yeah, you say tour words. <laughs> but now that you wear those glasses, every time you say it, man, it just gets me. It gets me in the feels. I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yes, Miss. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, what did you yes, say? Yes, Miss Jamie. <laughs> 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 All right. So my first uh, little um, expose for today's list is uh, Penn State. <clears throat> yes. Which every single lot. fucking list you look at I mean, has Penn State on it. It's like, like you it's it in it the quick. top five. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and I, obviously uh, I don't shout have... out Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Jack Jack calls Pennsylvania Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Pennsylvania sounds like something you do when you're trying to hide a pencil. Um, (laughs) It's something you do in prison. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Or like (laughs) you're trying. It's it's a drag queen's technique. (laughs) (laughs) And I oop. Uh, Anyway. Oh my God. So my sources for this section are, of course, Wikipedia, two articles from Penn State's newspaper, The Daily Collegian, a website called Her Campus, the book Haunted Places by Dennis William Hawk, H-A-U-C-K, so I'm going to just pronounce it Hawk, and, um, and the Sounds blog, right. The True Crime Files by someone who just goes by the name Christine. Now, Ooh, the car, like the haunted car? I mean, I guess it's a pretty common. That's fucking who wrote it to me. That's when I decided. (laughs) This is how legends get started, Jamie. And Christine, the car, wrote a true crime blog. Anyway, um, (laughs) 
He's very talented. It's interesting. I was able to <laughs> dig up some interesting uh, um, specific accounts of things happening, and then, but also able to debunk a couple of the alleged sources of the hauntings. Like, I found some mm, good instances of, of... Yeah, the legends. Uh, there's a fair balance of that here. So, uh, let's see. Now, though, few things chill a student's blood quite like the prospect of midterms. Penn State's campus maintains a ghostly aura year-round, whether they like to admit it or not. Now, current attendees and alumni alike insist many of the lauded university's residential halls are indeed haunted, including the one we're going to start with, Runkle Hall. Um, the third <laughs> Runkle. Runkle. <laughs> it's it's a relative of Scooby's. Um, right. Either that or like Rumple still Scoop's cousin. Runkle Hall. Runkle Hall. <laughs> Runkle and Ronty Hall. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> The third floor of Runkle is said to host no less than 11 restless spirits, though why they have that number, well, we'll see. Um, but <laughs> to start with an actual account, in 1992, a resident assistant who occupied room 318 complained of being startled awake by a loud banging noise whose source couldn't be determined. When the racket intensified over the next few minutes, the bed began to heave up and down. She described it as though the bed were breathing. The RA Ooh. fled in terror, only to find herself locked out upon returning a little bit later with several friends. Now, according to the book Haunted Places by Dennis William Hawk, a <laughs> I should be more respectful than that. He did the work, and I'm over here shitting on his name. <laughs> according to the book Haunted Places by Dennis William Hawk, a similar incident occurred in the same room just two years later in 1994. Lights flickered, a loud banging noise gave the occupant a rude awakening, as had it happened back in 92, and this time a disembodied voice was heard babbling incoherently from everywhere and nowhere at once. As in the first instance, the mattress also, quote-unquote, breathed. Um, now, the current RA, who sleeps in room 318, uh, someone named Yumi Bullock, uh, believes the problem has since moved down the hall to 313. The television in this room, says Jesse uh, Caramenos, a freshman majoring in musical theater, turns on by itself to a Spanish-language channel that neither she nor her roommate watch. Doors open and close by themselves, sometimes locking them out. Lights flicker, decorations on the wall fly off of it as if thrown by unseen hands. Uh, when Caramenos used a Ouija board, <clears throat> you fool, yeah, to I mean, contact the fault. spirits, bedeviling her, the answers uh, came in native-level Spanish. She also claims a friend who lived in the building years before once saw an old woman in a rocking chair at the end of the hall. She also says that the the the, the 11 spirits number, that came from this particular Ouija board session. Oh, so it's So bullshit. that's that's where... <laughs> we <-ya>. um, <laughs> That's what Ouija means. Well, we yeah. Well, we yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. We, 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 um, yeah. Now, residents <laughs> refer to the floors, <clears throat> excuse me, residents refer to the floor's study lounge sarcastically as the ghost room, but Runkle housekeeper, Michka Lodowski, recalls the experience of one student being nothing to joke about. The RA often came home to find furniture rearranged, Lodowski says. Loud noises issued from within while the room was clearly vacant. The door, particularly the lock, seemed to have a mind of its own, and later the RA confided in Lodowski that she was terrified of being in there alone. I mean, who fucking wouldn't be? 
Now, traditionally, the hauntings in Runkle are pinned on a student said to have hanged himself in Runkle's stairwell. And while this may smack of urban legend, the story is tragically this time based in mm. fact. This is from an article published in the Day of the Collegian on September 7th, 1982. Quote, the body of 19-year-old Brian David Magnani, a third-term computer science student, was discovered at about 7 uh, a.m. Sunday morning by an unidentified student. The student went yeah. immediately to a resident assistant who contacted University Police Services. Magnani was pronounced dead at the scene by Center County Coroner Robert Neff. The death occurred between 3.30 and 7 a.m. and has been ruled a suicide. Now, uh, though that is real and that is documented, anyone who sees in Magnani's tragic death a rationale for Runkle's persistent paranormal activity, however, should bear in mind he killed himself in Let Hall, not Runkle. Ah. Mm, so it seems that that story is just kind of transferred, but so we don't, so even though rooms 318 and 313 seem to be very active, I don't know that it has anything to do with the student who killed himself. Now, many other places on campus have a rich history of paranormal activity, including the Pavilion Theater, formerly a barn. Bizarrely, though, the spirits haunting it are thought to be those of the cows once kept this there. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> what? And it's a theater? That's amazing. Yeah, but it's <laughs> Students and actors and everyone alike will hear sometimes mooing or they'll they'll smell manure. Um, oh. It's just they're like, what? And I'm like, Jesus, okay. I mean, I've been in some pretty dodgy theaters in my time, but I've never encountered one that straight up smelled like a barn. Right. I mean, we've had the cat meow on the, on the <laughs> podcast we, that we, we don't know. We have. And so we have. If a cat can meow, I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping. Can moo. I'm kind of hoping, hoping? I'm kind of hoping. <laughs> I haven't even had a drink today. I'm just tired. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that uh, that people will hear in this in this episode in the background maybe a cow mooing or or uh, or donkey braying, but we'll get to that. Um, oh. The old botany building has a reputation for giving pedestrians the creeps. The alleged ghost of Frances Atherton has been spotted looking out through the top window at the grave of her husband, George Atherton, Penn State's seventh Ooh. university president, buried just across the street. Many claim Ooh. to have actually seen Atherton himself standing near his grave. The ghost of an unidentified soldier has also been seen in the vicinity, along with the occasional ghosts of a mysterious woman and a man wearing what appears to be an old janitor's uniform. Now, if you go into the game room or study lounge in the basement of Watts Hall, the only thing out of the ordinary you might encounter is how nice and modern the posh hotel-style residence seems when compared with most dormitories on campus. But if you happen to hear the noisy braying of a mule coming from behind the door of a basement storage room across from the laundry room, you might be hearing old Coley. Coley was one of the original pack mules that worked to build Penn State in the 1850s. When he died, his remains were preserved and displayed in Old Maine. After the fire in the early 1900s, his remains were temporarily stored in the basement of Watts Hall before his skeleton was displayed in the 60s uh, at the, at the uh, agricultural building where they are now. Since that time, a mule, presumably Coley's ghost, has been reported standing in the hallway outside the storage room and sighted in the first floor hallway. His noisy braying has been reported to RAs in the past, but none of the current residents or RAs had any reports of the phenomenon or even knowledge of the legend when questioned. But also haunted are the notorious basement stacks in the Patti and Paterno Library. Now, if you venture stacks down... Stacks are always going to be haunted. 
Mm-hmm. It's they weird. Are. It's, it's not supposed a... to. That floor is not supposed to be there. <laughs> it's mm. yeah. It's weird. Now, if you venture down to rows fifty-one and fifty-two, you'll find where twenty-two-year-old Betsy Ardars, uh, Ardsma, excuse me, Betsy Ardsma, was murdered in nineteen sixty-nine. Though her murder wow. was never positively identified, local investigative reporters and two different authors, uh, true crime authors, have conducted research pointing to geology professor Richard. Hoffner as the suspect. Ardsma was at Penn State's Petit Library on November 28, 1969, doing research for a paper. At some point between 4.45 p.m. and 4.55 p.m., she was stabbed a single time through the left breast with a knife, severing her pulmonary artery and piercing the right ventricle of her heart. Police believe Ardsma was most likely attacked from behind as her hands bore no defensive wounds. Following the stabbing, Ardsma slumped to the ground, minutes later, one or two men uh, exited the central region of the library, telling a desk clerk that, quote, somebody better help that girl, as they left. The man or men who spoke to the desk clerk have never been identified. Hmm. Now, bystanders rendered first aid, including mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, and a call was placed at the campus hospital at 5.01 p.m. By 5.19, an ambulance had transported Ardsma to the health center, where she was pronounced dead. Now, after Ardsma was stabbed, the wound produced only a small amount of visible blood. Also, Ardsma was wearing a red dress at the time. As a result of these two facts, the first responders thought that perhaps she'd experienced a seizure or some other medical ailment. It was not until she was examined at the health center that anyone realized she had been stabbed. Wow. In his book, Murder in the Stacks, author David DeCock argues that Betsy's case is ultimately unsolved due to mistakes made at the crime scene. The campus patrol didn't secure the crime scene. As a result, students and faculty contaminated the area. A janitor even cleaned up urine found near the scene and moved evidence around before the police got there. When the police, or uh, before they processed the scene, rather not before they got there, when the police finally arrived, the crime scene was compromised already. Now, Richard uh, Hoffner, the suspect, according to at least two authors, attended Penn State at the same time as Betsy and lived in the same campus residence. He was said to have a volatile temper and to act violently towards women at the drop of a hat. He was investigated numerous times later for sexually assaulting young boys. This was after Mm. his professorship. Betsy uh, Betsy is known to have befriended Richard at some point during her time there, but before long stopped seeing him and telling her friends and family that the man scared the shit out of her. Since that fateful day, however, people visiting the stacks have reported hearing screams, seeing dried blood manifest out of nowhere, only to disappear when they try to call other people's attention to it, and to see the apparition of Artsma herself skulking near the site of her tragic and as yet unsolved murder wow yeah so those that was just a smattering i mean fucking everything about penn state is haunting but uh, haunted but those are the ones that had some some uh, reports that we could back up so i chose those ones i still yeah i still like the the mule (laughs) i I know i like the mule the best i think if someone just rounding a corner and just seeing a mule in the hallway going uh what the fuck do i do now (laughs) yeah Hello, mule. Hello, mule. Moscow mules. Ooh, sorry. Ooh, right. So that's just a. Um, and I could, man, I could have gone on and on and on for Penn State. There was just so much information. Awesome. But yeah, lots of stuff, and and a lot of it supported by by firsthand accounts, which is kind of cool. Very so, cool. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So next for me, 
Yes. We're going to go to Michigan. Michigan! <laughs> Michigan State. There's, like a, there's like a pattern. Michigan. There's a pattern here, isn't there? Um, <laughs> Matt got in first, so we could include Virginia. Yes! <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so this comes from Online School Center and onthebanks.msu.com. Okay, so. A fervent supporter of women's education, Mary Ann Mayo was a well-known personage at Michigan State Agricultural College, renamed Michigan State University in 1964. Having died in 1903, Mary Ann Mayo never lived to see the 1931 construction of Sylvan Lodge, which was later rechristened Mayo Hall in her honor. Nevertheless, the woman's passing apparently has not prevented her from visiting the dorm at at the East Lansing School. There are reports of a mysterious female figure that moves through the corridors of Mayo Hall, not to mention of lights switching off on their own accord, and a piano is occasionally heard playing itself. Mary's portrait is on the first floor. Uh, It's on view on the first floor as well. And some people say that her eyes will follow people passing by. Uh, Lovely. uh, That's a common thing with paintings, but creepy nonetheless. Yeah. Legend has it, meanwhile, that darker events took place in the building's fourth floor attic where a red room was reputedly a location for seances and satanic rites. The space has since been sealed shut. Now, I'm going to say I'm iffy on the satanic ritual room. I'm going to I'm going to be real iffy on that. Every college um, has that rumor. Every college. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just liberal yeah. arts, guys. It's just liberal arts. Yeah, it's, it's like the, it's the <laughs> attic. It's just the attic. Um, it's probably so, someone just doing perform- a performance piece. Yeah, yeah, we're it's yeah. Um that doesn't mean somebody didn't go up into the attic and use a Ouija board at some point, but um even though I don't really believe the the whole satanic rites story Unexplained lights and figures can sometimes be seen in the windows of that very area. So something's happening. That's just the beginning, though. Located in the Red Cedar River in East Lansing, Michigan State University was founded in 1855 by the state legislature, and it seems it's been collecting ghosts ever since. Here are a few slash lies. Okay. In the general campus, there's a rumor that there are dungeons below the campus. While there are tunnels running under campus, we're back to tunnels, um, (laughs) they are not dungeons. So that's a bit of a debunk. They're actually steam tunnels built to house campus utilities. In the 1960s, it was common for students to go tunneling. Tunneling was pretty popular for kids. Um, That is, until campus police began to patrol and ultimately had locks placed on the tunnel entrances, probably because of drugs. I'm just going to assume. Like, if you're going to get high, the tunnels seem like a great place to go do that. Um, But one particularly popular site to explore while, right? (laughs) (laughs) They were were getting high. Um, But a particularly popular site was a spot underneath Olds Hall that was a partially excavated area of the basement. Another campus legend surrounding the steam tunnels stems from an incident in the 1970s. In August of 1979, James Dallas Egbert III, an MSU student and child prodigy, disappeared from his Case Hall dorm room. The disappearance was widely reported in the press, and his 
participation in the fantasy role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons was seized upon by press and investigators alike as being potentially related to his disappearance, propelling the previously obscure game to nationwide attention. So this is 79, oh. right? This is at the early time. So yeah. It was reported that he'd gone to the tunnels for some D&D LARPing action and became so upset when his character died that he attempted suicide himself. God. This theory was proposed by the private investigator hired by James's parents to find him. In reality, James suffered from depression. He had written a suicide note in his dorm and left it there. So it had nothing, of course, we all know this, to do with D&D. He went into the tunnels, took a bunch of quaaludes, which made him pass out, but he did survive. In fact, some people actually reported seeing him at Gen Con that year. That would have been Gen Con 12. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's weird. It's weird. Uh, James then ran away to Louisiana, where he made a second suicide attempt in New Orleans by consuming a cyanide compound, which also failed. He then moved to Morgan City, Louisiana, and was employed as a roustabout after four days on the job. And this is, like, immediately. Like, boom, boom, boom. He gets into all this. After four days on the job, James called the private investigator and revealed his location. The PI went down to pick him up. And at that point, James asked him to conceal the truth of the story. The PI agreed and released James to the custody of his uncle on September 13th of 1979. The following year... James died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, So it finally happened, and clearly he was not getting the treatment he needed. Uh, The PI revealed uh. the truth about James' story in The Dungeon Master. That all this is to say, they're not dungeons, they're just tunnels. But Uh. that doesn't mean they're not haunted, perhaps. Um, Then you have what's known as the Rape Trail. The river oh. walk runs along the Red Center from west to east campus. The por- this portion of the walk, located behind Shaw, McDonald, and Holmes dorms, has been dubbed the Rape Trail. I hate it. No one it. really knows where. It's terrible. No one knows where it came from. Only that it's been perpetuated <laughs> probably rape. History. I'm gonna guess rape. Um, MSU has repeatedly assured students so that that portion of campus is as safe as any other, yet many students maintain that the poor flickering lighting and the presence of woods at night adds to an eerie feeling. So it might be like you can't go there, else you're going to get raped. And so it's like, oh, you're going to take the rape trail? Is that? It's like, a, I would it's like say to, try to try to, <laughs> try to, yeah, like maybe, maybe let's hope a rape hasn't happened there, but that's like, right. but it, that's, this, but that's the because, they, because they've called it the rape trail and that makes people yeah. not want to go there on their own, which is that's right. so maybe that's smart, right. maybe it's smart, just, it's a good, it's according a good, um, to the university, there's, <laughs> there hasn't been. Oh, well, let's, so, let us, um, let us hope we may take them at their word. Right. But there are woods nearby. So, mm. you know. It's a good thing they, ha- they, they are announcing it so people know and to be careful. Uh, then you have Beaumont Tower. Lots of myths surrounding Beaumont Tower, most likely because it's one of the most prominent places on campus. It's said that unless you have experienced a kiss in the shadow of the tower, you are not a true Spartan. Uh, a ghost, <laughs> but the ghost is, um, there's a ghost of a student killed in World War II, and he's said to haunt the tower. He allegedly stays in, um, 
stays on in the earthly world searching for his lost sweetheart he left behind. The bells have frequently been seen and heard ringing by themselves. And in an auditorium, a theater ghost, we got a theater ghost. There's always always, a theater ghost. The ghost of a little boy is said to be wandering through the seats of the auditorium. Mm. It has also been reported that the face of a boy has been seen looking out the third floor windows of the auditorium. He is frequently heard laughing and bouncing a ball. Visitors to the auditorium have reported hearing whispers and footsteps through the halls. Uh, It is a theater space. That adds up to me. I'm calling it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Then you have Beale Botanical Garden. Screams are sometimes heard coming from the garden. Figures have also been spotted in the garden. Screams are also Uh heard in the old horticulture garden, which makes me wonder, what the fuck do people do in gardens? I mean, I... Yeah, like what's happening in the garden? Maybe they Um, get, maybe they just got stung by a bee, and I mean, I would scream if I got stung by a bee. Maybe that's what they're hearing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like, it seems like they went and and like a a squirrel had eaten all their their uh, daisies. What a lovely ground! I've been there. I definitely screamed when they were doing. I was get the fuck away from my daisies! (laughs) I did do that. So maybe that's what it is. I love it. They have the rape trail and the murder gardens. In the murder gardens, yeah. Uh, students and employees have also seen male apparitions dressed in clothes from the 1920s or 1930s in these areas. Mm, stylish. Then you have the dormitories. The dormitory. Dormitories. So Mayo Hall is a dorm. Mm. So that's one that's, you know, haunted. But we also have Holden Hall. The urban legend of a Halloween massacre that was supposed to happen caused a lot of students to return home from Halloween weekend in 1998. Supposedly, a student dressed as Little Bo Peep was going to be killing students. A call-in talk talk show um, on a radio uh, from a psychic predicting the event happening to a Big Ten school is supposedly what prompted the rumor. Oh, yeah. What a fucked up, like, little Bo Peep is going to take a lot of people out. Like, that's... Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I wonder how many people cosplay little Bo Peep on campus. I feel like you should do it all the time. Or not ever. Um, maybe not ever. Maybe yeah, just don't maybe do never. it. Um, <laughs> maybe not, but it would be funny if you did. So then <laughs> we have... So long as they don't Saints kill anyone, yes. Rest. You have what? Saints Rest. Saints Rest. Saints Rest. Okay. Uh, yeah. Got the site located it. east of the present-day museum is said to be haunted by the original students housed in the dorm. The, so this is more of a residual thing. Mm. The building burned down in the winter of 1876. No injuries or fatalities, but students are said to appear in the early morning and evenings searching for lost hall and personal belongings. Through excavations of the site, campus archaeologists have discovered student belongings, ceramics, glass, and the dorm's trash pile. Huh. So that's kind of interesting, a residual where's my shit haunting. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. I like, I that, like that. I like that. I like that. Ooh. And creepy. then in Moral Hall, M-O-R-R-I-L-L, not like moral, <laughs> but, but moral. Like moral. Uh, <laughs> moral. Yeah. Uh, professors have seen the apparitions of old professors visiting their offices. Oh. I love that. That's I tenure. That's tenure for you. Yeah, it is. Uh, Then you have sixth floor of Holmes Hall is reported to be haunted as well. A man has been seen entering the elevator on the sixth floor. The doors close and then reopen to an empty elevator. 
Lights are frequently turning on and off, as well as windows and doors slamming shut and flying open. Ooh. I love a ghost that gets on an elevator and then there's no one on the elevator. Right. That's good stuff. Uh, the 12th floor It's a floor classic, classic move. I know. It's a classic, classic ghost elevator move. <laughs> 12th floor of Hubbard Hall is also supposed to be haunted. The lights will turn on and off by themselves. Residents have also reported hearing running and laughter coming from the empty halls. It has also been reported that an entity will get on the elevator. So here's another elevator one. Get on the elevator at the 12th floor and exit at the 9th at which time a cold breeze can be felt leaving the elevator. And two mysterious men have been seen on the 12th floor. Oh, mysterious serious men. Uh, then you have Yakely Gilchrist, I think is how you would say that. Um, <laughs> students have Yakely, Yakely. Gilchrist. Uh, Gilchrist. <laughs> students have reported banging on their doors and doorknobs being turned and tried only to look into the hall and see no one there. And then last but not least, in Williams Hall, figures have been observed dancing in the old cafeteria. Strange noises come from empty rooms and appliances will turn on by themselves. Uh, and that uh, is one of the other reports of this hall. So there you have it, Michigan State. I love it. Haunted as fuck. Haunted as fuck. <laughs> it's official. Well, the it's thing official. I love about our next university ghosts that we're going to talk about is that they are advertised by a local ghost tour that's actually... Ooh, do we want to take a little break first? Oh, yeah. Let's do that, actually. We can let's refill our, and our we'll drinks and then have a pee break and then we'll get back into the University yeah. of Georgia. Yes. Ooh, Georgia. There's uh -huh. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, you're up. All right. So 
Um, <laughs> so, everyone settle in. University of Georgia at <laughs> Athens. Now, my main sources are Wikipedia, the red and the black, uh, which is the the uh, their paper, and uh, the script for their haunted tours. Ooh, their scripts available? Uh, if you do a little digging. Uh, nice. Gilbert, Gilbert Slash Head. watching a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey. You didn't see the giant I wink I just gave him. Mouth open, <laughs> wink. Hey, digging is digging. Um, That's right. <laughs> research is research. So, uh, yeah, research just means you're searching out what someone else has already found. Uh, That's right. You're researching it. So, Gilbert Head, an archival associate of the Hagrid Rare Book and Manuscript Library, runs a ghost tour on North Campus during most Halloween seasons with Carol Bishop, an archival associate of the Special Collections Library. What, uh, what school is this again? Sorry. This is University of Georgia at Athens. That's right. That's Georgia. right. We just talked about it. Sorry. Georgia on I my mind. I peed and forgot everything. Who, didn't, who wasn't singing that song a few days ago? I know. Um, but then John Legend sang it, and it was like preferred. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> There's the canon version. Um, now, Head and Bishop offered their expertise on UGA history and campus ghost tales. So here is uh, their little rundown of some of the more haunted locations. Uh, Demosthenian Hall is our first stop. Now, over the years, Members of the, the Demosthenian have experienced otherworldly encounters with what they believe to be the spirit of Robert Toombs, Gilbert Head claims. Legend has it Toombs returned to his beloved Demosthenian Hall after death. A story that first seems to have surfaced in the early 2000s has a pair of lovers stealing into the upper chamber for a bit of hanky-panky. As you do. The young man is said to have looked up mid-coitus to see Robert Toombs standing over them, the specter's face twisted into, the, into a disapproving glower. Terrified, of course, the couple abandoned their trysting place so quickly they ran out into the night stark fucking naked. Nice. <laughs> I love that story. Um... Now, it's only a story as far as I can tell. I, I find no support for it, but I guess, you know, why would it be? Anyways. Now, constructed in 1824, Demosthenian Hall is the fourth oldest building at the University of Georgia and home to the Demosthenian Debate Society, the oldest student organization on campus, formed in 1803. What? Mm -hmm. Toombs wow. represented Georgia in the House of Representatives and the Senate and had a brief stint as the first Secretary of State of the Confederacy before becoming a Confederate general. Toombs chose to leave UGA a semester before his graduation to avoid a dishonorable discharge for his gambling habit. Since he could not attend his graduation... <laughs> and then he gambled on the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, poor guy just had no luck. Uh, no. Since he could not attend his graduation as the chosen class speaker, he returned to give a compelling speech under a large oak tree in the front of the UGA chapel. This oak was later dubbed Toombs Oak. Legend has it this tree was struck by lightning the moment of Toombs' death decades later. A portion of the blasted stump was moved to Demosthenian Hall in 1908 and is now part of an ornamental sundial just outside. Since then, Toombs' ghost can be heard roaming the area in the dead of night. He also paces his former chambers. Few and far between are the students who haven't heard heavy disembodied footsteps wandering the halls late at night in his old rooms. Ooh. Completed in 1821, Waddle Hall is the second oldest building on campus, named after Moses Waddle, fifth, uh, fifth president of UGA, who served from 1819 to 1829. 
The building has worn many hats in its time, a scientific equipment uh, storage facility, a gym, classrooms, a boarding house, a college of agriculture, the home of the registrar Thomas Reed, a snack bar, the office of the UGA Press, and the Dean Rusk Center for International Law. Now, inside the walls of Waddle Hall during World War I, according to history professor Nash Bonney, the university registrar made a practice of renting rooms out to students, one of whom committed a murder-suicide shortly following the war. Now, though the finer details are hard to come by these days, the story goes that a young soldier came home from the war to find his girlfriend entangled with another man. Now, according to the script used for the seasonal ghost tour, friends loaned the couple their rented dorm room to try and work things out. Alas, the attempt at reconciliation ended in bloodshed. Residents were awakened in the small hours by gunshots. The shoulder, the soldier, excuse me, the soldier shot the girl before turning the gun on himself. Now, the school was eager to have the incident forgotten. Reports of the incident appeared in the paper the day after, but never again. Almost a hundred years later, reports of strange lights and sounds originating from the upper floor, including gunshots in the dead of night and footsteps, have begun to circulate. Uh, the Lustrat House, L-U-S-T-R-A-T, it's, I guess, Lustrat, or Lustrat, Lustrat, I don't know. Uh, the Lustrat House, named for its first resident, Joseph Lustrat, was built in 1847 and is one of the only, uh, and is one of only two former faculty residences still standing on campus, though it was moved from roughly 100 feet from its original location in 1903 to make way for building. Members of Lestrat's own family were the first to report spooky goings-on in the place after the patriarch's oh. death. His specter was seen wandering the grounds regularly. Also in residence to this place is the ghost of Charles Morris, a veteran of the Confederate Army who occupied the home shortly after the Lestrat family. Or the Lustrat family. I can't choose how to say it, so I'm just going to say it every conceivable way, all of them wrong. Now, Morris, who became a UGA English professor and head of the Greek department from 1872 to 1878, lived in Lustrat House with his family in the early 1880s, according to the book Through the Arch, an illustrated guide to the University of Georgia campus. Now, it seems, an embittered Morris refuses to give his blessing to Lestrat House's relocation a hundred yards off and is still seen from time to time looking out the window of the upper story towards the house's former location. <laughs> it's like, really? I just imagine the ghost being like, but I liked it there. Um, <laughs> it's like, dude. <laughs> now, uh, though the poltergeist allegedly running amok in the fine arts building has been given the charming moniker James O'James, many believe the ghost responsible for moving objects and making loud noises in the middle of the night to be that of an actor. Now, whenever anything went awry with a production, O. James is called to task for it. He's basically become the mascot for all their mistakes. Um, <laughs> what theater doesn't have that? At the time of its construction in 1941, the Fine Arts Theater was the most expensive building on campus, and, of, and uh, as of today, the last project completed by the Works Project Association. And although O. James has been somewhat dormant lately, students really don't report uh, activity from the poltergeist as much as they did, his name still occasionally appears in playbills from time to time. No one knows why or exactly who's putting it there. <laughs> uh, wow. 
Now, one of the well, more well-known ghost stories on UGA's campus originates in Joe Brown Hall. The hall is named after Joseph E. Brown, the 42nd governor of Georgia and a proponent of secession during the Civil War. Joe Brown Hall was built in 1932 to serve as a boys' dormitory. Thanksgiving of 1971, everybody left the dorm except one boy who spent the holiday at the dorm. Unfortunately, he hanged himself in the dorm room, and nobody found him until after the holidays were over, tour guide Bishop says. Much as residents complained, janitors couldn't get rid of the smell. As a result, the dorm area was abandoned and boarded up. Now, because he was the, the body was there probably for a week or more before it was found, that accounts for the smell, but the janitors couldn't get rid of it, so they're like, we're just going to not use this place anymore. Now, several... In the years since, several paranormal investigative teams, including one that appeared on television, have since recorded an anomalous temperature drop in the stairwell and bizarre, electromagnet uh, la, la, and bizarre electromagnetic <laughs> spikes. <laughs> also speaking in tongues. No, that's just me. Very um, strange. The staircase that once led to the boys' room, commonly referred to as the stairs to nowhere, now leads to a dead end. We went in the building one time and tried to find some way to get into the sealed-off room, Bishop says, but it was totally blocked off. If you knock on the wall, you can hear that it's hollow. And, wow. And that's just a smattering of the hauntings there at Georgia. But, yeah, so you got your, wow. your, a, lot of, a lot of Confederate ghosts. <laughs> that I, yeah, it seems that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah not so many Union I ghosts. Would. But, yeah. you know, there. So yeah, that's the University of Georgia vibe. Just a little, a little taste, a taste, a, a smidge, a titch of specials right. from Georgia. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you, Georgia. We appreciate you. Uh, then our next state um, may be late, but we're not going to put them last as a thank you. <laughs> and that is, of course, the University of Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> Nevada. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> my reason, we were talking, we were going to put Nevada last, and then we were like, well, we would put him one before. Yeah. <laughs> Keep him from being last, last. <laughs> but you put us through some, some real stress. But you really we still did. appreciate you. So let's talk about your university, which some place people call this one of the most haunted universities uh, in the U.S., but I feel like every school is going to be at the top of that list at some point because they're all fucking haunted. That's just the way it is. That's, I mean. So, uh, sources are only in your state by Emerson. The Nevada Sagebrush, Sagebrush, an article by Rojo Hernandez, and Online School Center. So, the University of Nevada, Reno, and I've seen a lot of videos where it's like, it's Nevada, not Nevada. Which I was like, do people call it Nevada? And then I was looking, and they do. And then once I started thinking about it, I started <laughs> saying Nevada. So forgive me if I don't say Nevada. I've always said Nevada until people said don't say Nevada, and then I think instinctually, it's, I think it's, it's Nevada. fine. It's like Oregon or Oregon. Right. I've never said or. Oh, I got a hiccup. Sorry. <laughs> that was powerful. I've never said Oregon. Oregon. It's just. Oregon. I've heard people say. I've never. I've said Oregon too, but people. I have been corrected at least once in my life. By someone that was like, no, it said this way. But then I also think they were just from Portland. If they're saying Oregon, I've never been corrected for Oregon. Everybody's always like, you said it right. I would hope it's so. It's all them fucking British cities I can't get right. But I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys have so many vowels? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why do we need all them vowels? Mm -hmm. Anyway. Mm. so <laughs> It's true. Uh, 
Um, okay, so the University of Nevada, Reno campus has a combination of both new and old buildings. Some of the buildings date back to the college's founding in 1874, and considering, Neva- considering Nevada's history, it only makes sense that many of these buildings are rumored to be haunted. So Nevada is Wild West territory, for those mm. who don't know. Uh, lots of lots of drama back in the day. Um so that's one of the things, and we've talked about this too. There are definitely older buildings and universities across the world, uh, but the land in the United States still has just as much history. There were still people here. There was a lot of things going on. So there's the history. It may not be known, but that doesn't mean it wasn't here. Yep. So, um, <laughs> All it means is just white people ain't seen it yet. That's right. That's right. So the McKay School of Mines is considered among the campus's most haunted buildings. There are simply too many ghost stories linked to it to count, including one about geology professor E.R. Lawson. This is not a legend either. This is true. Edward Richard Larson collapsed in his office in 1979. He was pronounced dead of heart failure upon arrival at the hospital. He was a few months shy of having worked at the university for 30 years. One story is that the clocks in the buildings have been known to randomly stop at his time of death ever since. I could not find his time of death, pretty simply. Um, I think I would have had to pay for his birth certificate, and I wasn't, that didn't, that seemed like a little more than I wanted to do. <laughs> but the point is, you couldn't, I couldn't very easily find his time of death, so how do they know that was his time of death? Um, now, um, well, maybe someone is, did pay for his birth records. <laughs> right. Um, but I will say the clocks all stopping at their, on their own at the same time is pretty, you know, throughout the building. That's pretty intense. <laughs> like that's still, that's yeah, still creepy. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that, yeah, that whether counts. Whether or not they're counts. the time of his death. That's weird. Yeah. That's real weird. It's real weird. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it helps that, though, too, for at least 35 years, this was, I read this, um, one of the articles was from 2014, and at the time they said his desk, chair, and filing cabinet were all in the same room. So it was the same stuff. The chair he was in, when he died, he was holding, uh, or when he had the heart attack, Mm -hmm. um, he was holding like a... um, notes for his next class or something like that in his hands oh, oh. yeah so like this is you know it's they, he I died doing what he loved like, <laughs> yeah that's what somebody said is like this is exactly how he would have wanted would have wanted to go even though he was only 58 at the time mm. um one of the most famous legends about the building so that's mckay that seems to be people have seen him they hear stuff um and, the, and then the clocks one of the most famous legends about the building refers to the portrait of Catherine Mackey, uh, McKay, Mackey, McKay, McKay. We'll go with McKay. Um, <laughs> it's the McKay building that is located inside of the conference room on the second floor of the building. Catherine McKay was the daughter-in-law of mining magnate John William McKay, and this is in the McKay School of Mines. The portrait has been known to consistently topple over when moved to any other location. In the early 90s, Catherine's great-grandson came to visit the building and claimed to have found her portrait in the basement floating. So I don't know if, like, he saw it floating and he's like, let's go ahead and put this all up because why was it off the wall? So I don't know how that adds up, but it's a cool story. It's a cool story, Um, but... Yeah, maybe he saw, oh, it's floating. We need to put this up. 
Right. <laughs> and then they put it up. And then it has to stay there, maybe? I don't know. I mean, Another maybe, building maybe. that is widely known to be haunted is Morrill Hall. Mm. Over the years, many students have claimed paranormal experiences in the building. People in the building report feeling eyes watching them and objects mysteriously moving on their own. In 1996, alumna Kathleen Berry wrote about the ghouls that the university employees at Morrill Hall reported to have seen and felt in the Silver and Blue magazine. Susie Cady, an ex-staff member at UNR's Central Receiving Department, told Barry that she saw the ghost of a woman looking out of a window on the top floor of Morrill Hall. The top floor was closed off to everyone at the time. Hmm. Barry said that she had personally witnessed paranormal activity during her time as a student employee in Morrill Hall from 1980 to 1982. She remembers having horrible nightmares of something inside the building every work night during summer. Barry and other coworkers felt that there were eyes watching them inside the building. They also saw a chair on the east side of the first floor of the building that would move on its own. In general, many of UNR's residence halls are believed to be haunted. Uh, one rumor that we both hate is that <laughs> both Nye Hall and Canada Hall are said to have been built on old Native American burial grounds and later a Catholic cemetery. Okay, the mm. only reason I'm mentioning the Native American burial grounds is to reiterate that it's bad form to blame Native Americans for your hauntings. Not everything can be built on a Native American burial ground. <laughs> they're not always what you think they are. Right. So, just, uh, and that just became very popular in the 70s. I think it's just haunted right. by white guilt. Yes, that's, what, that's what's going on there. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind is that there was a Catholic cemetery built underneath the Nevada Living Learning Community, which is the, LL, the Nevada LLC. <laughs> so not under Nye Hall, not under Canada Hall, but the hmm. Nevada Living Learning Community Colo 8 News Now reported that six skeletal remains from the time period of the Catholic Cemetery were found buried underground. There, were noth there was nothing about Native Americans mentioned hmm. there. So stop these rumors if you hear them anywhere. Say that's probably bullshit because it's probably bullshit. Probably. Uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. But also there were bodies buried there. They did find from the Catholic Cemetery. So there is a perfectly good reason, you know— for to say it was buried on top of, of Catholic. So anyway, it just that's that's fine. Why it's fine. It's there? fine. It's fine. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, even though it's new, <laughs> on the top floor of the LLC, we used to hear footsteps and talking late at night on the ceiling. Uh, one woman said it it was always really really creepy. That's I mean, talking on the ceiling is kind of creepy. That's real creepy. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, Lincoln Hall is another building with a creepy legend associated to it. On February 11, 1906, mechanical engineering major James Champagne accidentally shot himself while he was cleaning his rifle in the room during the night in, Incon in Lincoln Hall. According to the book Haunted Nevada, uh, the Nevada State Journal carried the story of his funeral on Valentine's Day in 1906. Whether it was truly an accident seems to be... Up in the air. I mean, it's it was reported an accident, but some people believe it maybe, maybe. wasn't. Yeah. Um, most residents believe James' spirit is responsible for the strange noises they hear at night, or that he is the apparition they have seen. Now, one of the things about this too is he died in 1906, and it took. They had his name, and I just googled his name and death, and it came up. 
Hmm. From 1906. Hmm. So um, a little bit of research can sometimes let you know if if these stories are real. And so this one really did happen. It was very sad and tragic. And a lot of people think that he's still there. Hmm. Um, they've seen someone that they believe to be him. Senior Haley Coley was the historian for the Whipple Leadership Council during her freshman year. When Lincoln Haunted Basement, an on-campus haunted house, was completed, Coley asked everyone to stay away from the basement so she could take pictures of it. When she got there, her phone was malfunctioning, and it took a picture on its own. The picture show showed Coley that there was someone else there whom she later suspected might be Jimmy from the ghost story of the dorm. Mm. Another former resident told the story, we all know the ghost story. We all know the story of the ghost around here. <laughs> uh, when I heard the sobbing one night, I thought someone was having fun at my expense, so I ignored it. Then it got so loud, I got out of bed and started looking around to see where the noise was coming from. There he was, standing in the middle of the room. What on earth? I asked, still wondering if I weren't being made the butt of someone's joke. Very funny, I said, and reached out to grab whoever it was. There was nothing, only air. I'm not sure what it was. <sighs> and so there you have it. Some oh. hauntings oh. from Nevada Goodness. in Reno. Uh, University of Nevada, Reno. Yeah. Oh, all right. <sighs> oh, I like yeah. it. Oh. So there are some also, college. Also, Champagne. What a great name for a ghost. I know. I know. <sighs> well, and so it's interesting, too, both of these stories of um, of the suicides are both guys named James. And huh. yeah, and it all both of them ended in uh, gunshot. Right. So that was that's kind of a weird coincidence within the storytelling. Um, even though James is not a very unique name, and nor is that t that type of um, uh, we'll say technique, <laughs> especially <laughs> among men. Um, but uh, but again, it's reported that it was an accident for him. Yeah. So well, let's hope it was. But yeah, in 1906, you know, um, you may not get the whole story, but he definitely an accident. Something did happen. Yeah. Um, that sadly took his life. Um, but really quickly, so one of the things that happens when we do a lot of these college things, we've talked about it a little bit, is that suicide becomes a very common topic and a lot of people are talking yeah. about it people are going through harder times than they've ever probably gone before a lot of people and yeah. um, there's more challenges than maybe they've college faced. is rough college lonely. is rough yeah yeah i i mean we've been there we've been in that kind of lonely dorm state mm -hmm. um high, i high i was pressure. with one of my best friends and i still would get so lonely and i was in the theater department so i was constantly busy and i had a job or two depending so yeah, it can be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to take a moment and just let everybody know that there is hope and there are lots and lots of resources lots. out there for yes. people that you can talk to if you're going through someone. So please, please talk to someone um, please. that is, you know, qualified. And there are a lot of hotlines that you can call that will help you. So I want to say some of those really quickly. Please. Um, First of all, that you have the National Suicide Hotline. It's the United States. It's 1-800-273-8255. Help is available. That is one of the main things they have. Um, again, National Suicide Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. 
And then um, Canada has a crisis center as well. And we, mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of listeners from Canada. So that number is one 456 4566 that's for the UK. I mean, for Canada, one eight three three four five six four five six six, and then the UK. Um, that was a lot of numbers, and I didn't know which series of thirty-seven numbers to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what the rhythm the was. Website yeah. <laughs> that can give you the best number to choose from is Samaritans.org, mm. and that's mm. for the UK. Um, and then uh, last, now I know we have listeners beyond this, so please Google. Um, search some of this. These are this is just from where we have the majority of our listeners. We know we have listeners from everywhere, and I wish we could have gone through and done all the research to find out where we have everybody and given a phone number or an, an email for that. But please just Google it, and and you will have an option. They have options for yes. you. Um, but last do. we have Australia, and that uh, go to lifeline.org.au, and somebody there can help as well. Please do. So, Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah. For Again, that was that. lifeline.org.au. Uh, and it, for those of you that are listening to this and, and are in college right now, um, you know, if, if the pressures of college, and there are many, and they are intense, and the human mind was just not designed to, to be burdened with them for any length of time, um, please know that if that's what's making you depressed, or if the pressures of college are what's driving your thoughts of suicide, please, please just bear in mind that college is not the world. College no. is not... Don't worry. I Failures in college, dropping out of college, having a hard time of college are not reflective of how your life is going to be. It's really, really hard to see that when you're when you're in the thick of things. But just tell yourself that, please tell yourself that, that college is not all college is not everything. It's mm-hmm. not even it's not even that much of everything. <laughs> yeah. Even what's um, happening right now with coronavirus and it's very stressful. It's not forever either. So, you know, even if it's not a university situation that's putting you in that in a mindset, um, there, there are so many different things. But like with, with school in particular, uh, we don't remember where the location of one of the practice rooms was. And that was something we would go to daily yeah. in school. Yeah. It's, so it's just now it's, just a, it's a dim memory. Like you'll life. It does get better. I know it's a mm-hmm. cliche, but it gets better. It gets better. It does. It does. Stick and, around. Um, stick around and tell us your ghost stories. Don't become yeah, one. Please. Don't become one. Um, the one and the one thing I've said this before, but I love to reiterate it because it was such a big thing for me. But I uh, was <laughs> donated by my grandparents to a woman at church who was going to get her graduate as she was heading into child psychology. And she had an adolescent psychology class that she was taking. And um, she was really great because she explained to me what she was kind of, she had to question me and kind of, you know, I was her, I guess, guinea pig, I guess, <laughs> that she would, she wasn't like really um, giving me any kind of, assistance really but she was just asking me questions I was the one that was giving her the research right and but what she did do was explain to me how an adolescent brain works and this is true until your amygdala is developed mm-hmm. which doesn't happen until usually you're 25 and yep. so I know we have a lot of younger listeners here too so I want to say this that when you are in your adolescence your brain is very very extreme it's usually extremely happy and usually or or extremely down or extremely angry. Mm. There's very little mild emotional <laughs> reactions to things. And that is just the way that your brain is working. 
Yeah. It's not you. It's not that there's yeah. anything. It just means your brain is is developing appropriately, and and all of that intensity calms down when you get older. Not it's not always going to be that extreme, and yeah. so if you are patient when you are facing an extreme moment, um, tell remind yourself that your brain is still trying. Your brain is still working. It is not you. It is not forever. It's just your brain developing, and it's and it's going to get better. It's mm. it has to because your well brain will sad. chill out. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And yes. So your brain's me, just being stress whenever, tested right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, whenever I was de- it went, was in high school and had really hard traumatic things happen even into college Mm. um they seemed so bad and so intense and it was like this is the worst thing that could possibly happen Mm -hmm. in the back of my head was her voice saying well it's just your brain that's making everything extreme it's not extreme but the way you process it right now the way your brain processes it is extreme but um once your amygdala develops and once you get out of adolescence that will no longer happen and so i was like okay this is just my brain it's not me it's just my brain. And that made things, the hard things, so much easier at the yeah. time. It's all about yeah. perspective and knowing that eventually, if you wait around long enough, perspective comes to you. That's right. Oh, thank you. Thank you for That's that right. for that, uh, yeah. that little aside. That I not feel so like we need to. Little, with, this is with, very profound, especially. especially. We well, because especially so many of our listeners are like, you know, it's it's hard. It's also that time of year college mm-hmm. it's it's you know, autumn into winter where where suicidal holidays thoughts too. holidays it's it's a rough time of year um so we love you guys and we love you we want you to stick around as long as possible um and share it with your friends too if please pay attention please yeah. do please do there's always someone out there who will listen always yeah. uh all right now uh to bring us home <laughs> I, I'm, I'm my last uh, stop is going to be the California State University Channel Island in uh, Cam- yes! in Camarillo. Oh, I'm so glad California. you're doing this one. Yeah, Sorry. It's, it's fun. Got... It's fun. It's, it's got all that's got all the trappings of a really good of a really good gothic story to be honest. Yeah. Um so my chief source is an article on the subject in uh, that you can find on the website Weird California. It's a really fun website. I, I'm I'm going to be going to it a lot now that I'm here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's just jump in. While it may have only opened in t- 2002, uh, Camarillos, and I hope I'm saying that right, Camarillos? I, I don't want to say Camarillos. Cam- Camarillos? Camarillos? Camar- oh, okay. you're probably right. Camarillos. Uh, Camarillos, California State University, Channel Islands, makes most haunted, most makes most most haunted lists by virtue of its eerie locale. The school's campus was constructed on the site of the former uh, Camarillo State Hospital, regarded as among the country's most notorious mental health facilities. Between 1936 and 1997, over 1,000 patients died there, some from natural causes, yes, but many more from neglect and sickness. Shock therapy, for example, was reportedly commonplace in this building, so you can imagine the vibe. Paranormal investigators have visited the university's grounds, believing them to be an active location for supernatural goings-on, while students have experienced the former hospital's unique eeriness as well. It's perhaps appropriate, then, that the site was used to portray a creepy psychiatric facility in uh, 22, 22, 2002. Why can't I say 2000s years correctly? <laughs> it's like trying to write it. 2002. 2002. Gosh, so pretentious. Um, 
<laughs> was used as it, the the site was used as one of the creepy locations in the the ring, uh, but also uh, uh huh, which is a really good movie. Um, all crews from TV shows like The X Files and Buffy the Vampire Slayer have also filmed on the Channel Islands. Safe to assume the brochure handed out to potential freshmen doesn't talk about ghosts any more than it details the history of Camarillo State Mental Hospital. But the hospital was originally built in a co-partnership between the state of California and the Federal Public Works administration, which was founded by President Roosevelt's New Deal. The groundbreaking took place on August 15, 1933, and the Mental Institute opened just over three years later on October 12, 1936. By 1957, the patient list had exploded from 410 to 7,000 patients. Wow. wow. The facility was considered... I feel like that's probably too much. I Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the facility yeah. was considered the largest psychiatric hospital west of the Mississippi. Now, I'm wondering if that's because of the acreage or because of the number of patients, because those are not yeah. the same thing. Uh, the hospital catered to those who were developmentally disabled as well as those suffering from mental health issues like schizophrenia or who were on the uh, autism spectrum, who suffered also from tuberculosis or drug and alcohol addiction. Contrary to popular belief, violent patients were not housed there. They were instead packed off to the uh, Atascadero State Hospital, which specialized in their particular malady. Uh, there were men's and women's and children's wards on site, and eventually even a half mile away, an entire area for staff and their families to call home. Now, in addition to the electroshock therapy, it wasn't uncommon for patients to endure immersion in tubs of scalding water, supplemented by being wrapped in icy towels once they got out. Lobotomies were frequent, ugh, as were many other abuses that are now recognized as such. Patients were also often left alone in restraints, heavily sedated. By the 1970s, the hospital came under a lot of fire for its practices and found itself the subject of an official investigation. Several regular procedures were then legally forbidden. Patient numbers dwindled until finally on June 30th, 1997, after 60 years of operation, the hospital closed its doors for good. Although the state flirted with turning uh, the idea of turning the campus into a prison, neighbors objected, and just five short years <laughs> later, the site became the 23rd campus in the California State University system as CSU Channel islands. The first classes were offered in the fall of 2002. Although much of the campus is used by the university, several buildings still sit unoccupied and unused, long abandoned, deteriorating, and supposedly haunted. Ghostly children, <laughs> ghostly children have been heard laughing. Items have uh, been said to disappear in one location, only to reappear in another. Poltergeist activity is rampant, as you might suspect. Doors mysteriously open and slam shut, sometimes on unsuspecting fingers. Phantom mists, impervious to the wind, somehow, are seen to whirl about campus after dark. Residents oh. have claimed to catch the unmistaken odor of a hospital ward. The wall, that gets me. The smell gets me. Um, yeah. Because we all know what that smell is. Oh, oh God. It's just mm -hmm. a, mm, it's, mm. The walls come alive with scratching noises. Um, 
people who have reported taking pictures of windows of abandoned building, uh, buildings only to find faces, or what look like faces, staring back at them from long unoccupied rooms when the photos are processed. This phenomenon is nothing recent. Legend has it that back in November of 1962, the entire night staff was fired by the hospital. Management believed that the employees were playing a trick on them by overturning beds, slamming doors, screwing with televisions, tampering with the lights, etc., etc. Now, of course, the strange phenomenon didn't cease after the staff was fired, um, <laughs> so management quickly scurried to find a new uh, 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 scapegoat, and they were like, ah, it must be an ex-patient uh, who has been breaking in after hours to fuck with us because, you know, they love it here so much. Um, <laughs> and then there are the apparitions, numerous Full-bodied phantoms have been glimpsed over the years by students, particularly in the vicinity of the bell tower. A man appears in a stall in one of the women's restrooms. Um, several women have seen his legs under the stall door, but he oh. disappears the second the stall door is thrown open. I like that. I, I picture you in that situation. I'm like, there's a dude, and it's clearly from the legs and the shoes, it's clearly a dude. And you're like, what the fuck? And you open it, and nothing there. And you'd be like, all right. There's nothing. Oh, that the fuck. I see now. <laughs> oh. you're like what the fuck becomes what the fuck yeah a woman skulking around the bell tower asks for directions to the chapel before vanishing into thin air in some of the abandoned buildings students have reported running into a woman in a hospital gown who silently screams at them before likewise vanishing in a blink Ooh, that oh, one's the that's scariest that's terrifying that's terrifying um, yeah although it makes me think of the maid from murder by death um, which it's very funny in that instance because she's a mute and she comes out and they're trying to figure out what she's doing because she's trying to scream because she's seen a body and she's just like, <laughs> and they're like, whatever is she doing? It's really funny. Anyway, um, that's how I make that less scary. Uh, <laughs> also, the sound of phantom keys jingling announces the presence of a ghostly janitor. And of course, there's a bitch in white. It's assumed this particular ghost was once a nurse who now roams the bell tower's hallways in death, but she is seen on the regular to this day. But the most famous of the university's phantoms is the jazz musician, Charlie Parker, who stayed what? there for six months in 1946 trying to get clean. Now, enthralled to his tragic drug and alcohol addiction, Parker, or Bird, as he is known, entered the lobby of the Hollywood Civics of Hollywood Civic Hotel in June of that year where he was staying, only he was completely naked and playing a saxophone. Mm. I mean, ar artists, am I right? He was sent back to his <laughs> hotel room where he lit a cigarette, fell asleep, and subsequently then set fire to the bed. Now, he survived that, of course, as we know. The judge, however, uh, sent him to the mental institution. His stay may not have cured him of his demons, as we know it did not, but it did result in the classic track, Relaxin' at Camarillo. Oh. Now Charlie Parker is back, supposedly wandering the halls of the campus, squeezing every last note he can with his iconic style out of his saxophone late at night in the hallways. What a fucking ghost to be haunted by, am I right? I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, play on, Bubba, play on. Right, um, right. Now, Hollywood absolutely loves the place for location shoots because of its look. Members of various film crews, however, have quit because of occurrences on site that have plagued multiple productions, including The Ring and others. Like, it's just they get to the point where the, like, fucking lights explode, people get pushed, there's sounds, it's like film gets spoiled, like, it's fucked up. Um, 
and I'll leave you with this last little tidbit that I find the most fun. And Jamie and I both do, actually, because she's the one that told me this. (laughs) (laughs) The location has been rumored to be the inspiration for Hotel California, of which the Eagles wrote and sang about in their famous song of the same name. The Eagles, of course, have supposedly denied this, um, but it's hard to think of the site and its history and not recall the famous lyric, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> so creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there it is. Can you imagine There's... going to university at a former mental institution? I mean, like honestly. That, that kind of one, too. Not just, like, yeah. a nice, good one. <laughs> I mean, but in, back in the day, mental institutions were all awful. I mean, I, I'm convinced mm-hmm. of this. I mean, I, I yeah. yeah, prove me wrong. Not a modern-day one. <laughs> modern-day ones yeah. are, you know, are frequently great. But back in the day when we had a very brutal understanding of procedures that were thought mm-hmm. to help, like when we were using lobotomies and ice baths and shit like that, when when the shit you see in the, in the Netflix series Nurse Ratched... Um, was considered normal. Yeah. They they were fucking torture chambers. They were fucking torture yeah. chambers that they were like, oh, you're a woman who talks too much or speaks her mind. You must be insane. Oh, you're... Have you ever masturbated? <laughs> do you like sex, woman? Oh, my Get out. God, do you question things too much? Are you yeah. gay? Oh, you must be mentally ill. Like, no, it's like they're not curing anybody. They're yeah. just torturing them to get in line. Um, but, yeah, so I... But, honestly... The rebel in me is like, yeah, I feel like colleges are still kind of carrying that tradition on much of the time. I feel like college's job is to, you know, take your money and to make sure you fit in. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I left after a semester and a half of mine. But I mean, not that people should do that, but, you know. But like I said, when I say colleges and everything, I fucking mean it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But, you know. There's a you there. I feel like when you go to college, you get an education that's not necessarily what they plan, um, mm-hmm. and so I think it's important to have that experience to get away from the safety of home. Yeah, it is important to like throw yourself out. into the mixing pot that colleges tend to be. But it's all yeah. it's also important to hold on to the perspective and be like, yeah, much of what you learn here though is going to be. You know, it's what you learn there in terms of like technical stuff or the thing you're studying, I don't think is important as the social experiment it is. Yeah. But that's my own opinion. And some people are free yeah, to disagree yeah. that some colleges are great. But just remember, yeah. like, you know, if whoever, if your college is built on a mental, on, in the grounds of a formal mental institution, maybe things haven't changed all that much. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Just maybe, maybe some research. Maybe just do some research. Some research. <laughs> yeah, and not to say you couldn't get that social experiment just by getting a job and and going and doing stuff right out of, of high school too. But right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you can, I say you should. I don't know. Every time I think but, of college now, and because Brandon, when he got his master's degree, that was a lot of student debt he had to pay off, and it was like yeah. I think of John Mulaney's thing where he was like, I spent a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to college, and they still call me every now and again, going, We would like a gift, but only if it's money. It's like, I've already yes. given you everything oh, I have. Yeah. Oh, it's just, oh. Yeah. You have all of the money that you're going to get from me. Feels um, like a grift. Good story. Thank you, thank you. Good topic. Good story. So thank you for yeah, choosing the yeah. topic. Yeah, next week we got more. Or, and, not next, or next, week, next, next episode. Next we've time. Got more. <laughs> next time we've got more. But please, again, please send in your ghost stories. Oh, yes. Um, from please, your we college love them. or universities or stories maybe your parents have. Yeah. Uh, we would love to hear them. Um, your local haunted 
college or whatever. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. they've all got stories. They've all got stories. They do indeed. Thank you guys so much. Um, happy November. Happy <laughs> breathing again. Happy, happy slowly getting on the road to normalcy again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. thank you, thank you. Stay safe. Stay sane. And remember... <gasps> It's okay to sleep with the lights lights on. on.